This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com. So I want this podcast to be a lot of things. I want it to be inspiring. I want it to be informative. I want it to be entertaining. But above all, I want it to be empowering. I want you to be able to do something differently, do something better, do something more, do something you didn't think you could do as a result of each and every episode. And today we're really hammering home that theme of the the nitty gritty details of cooking plant-based whole food in an efficient way. My guest in this episode, number 108, is Chef Del Schroff who is the co-owner and head chef at Wellness Forum Foods out of Columbus, Ohio. He is a master of efficiency, and he cooks for hundreds of people every week in all sorts of formats, from live dinners to prepared deli meals that they can pick up to convenience foods that are packaged and sent all over the country to frozen entrees, the works. And I've seen him in his kitchen. I've cooked with him a little bit. I've taken a cooking class with him. And man, that guy doesn't waste a gesture. And so today we talked about how to cook once, eat all week with whole food plant-based recipes. And that's the theme of his new book, The China Study Quick and Easy Cookbook. And I've got to say, for me, we use this kind of as a therapy session to help me with my own issues with pantry management, my own issues with things dying in the refrigerator and finding them and throwing them out shamefaced and guilty two weeks later. Before we get into the interview, I have a uh, not safe for work YouTube clip that I would invite um, those of you who can uh, handle it to go check out. And you can find it at plantyourself.com. If you just search for Dell, D-E-L, you'll find this interview and you'll also find a previous one that I did about his first book, uh, Better Than Vegan. And the not safe for work clip features the late, great George Carlin and it's called Icebox Man. It's from his album, A Place for My Stuff. So I hope you'll listen to it after our interview with a smile on your face. But without further ado, helping us get our kitchens under control and cooking healthy meals for a week in just one afternoon, Chef Del Schroff, welcome to the Plant Yourself Podcast. Hey, thank you, Howard, for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, I should say welcome back. You were a guest a little while ago when um, we talked about your, I don't know if it was your first book, but your your most recent one, Better Than Vegan. Um, and now you've got, you got a new one, The China Study Quick and Easy Cookbook. And I'm, yeah. I'm really intrigued by the subtitle, which is Cook Once, Eat All Week with whole right. food, plant-based recipes. So, and I... And I Kind of noticed that you um, did an interview with um, Ben Bella that uh, that came into my inbox, and you talked about three things that's necessary for for this kind of cooking. Um, there was like the plan, the pantry, and an uninterrupted block of time. Could you could, right. could you talk about each of those things? Like t- talk about the the plan. How how does someone you know? A lot of people think of eating as a fairly spontaneous activity, like, what do I feel like right now? How do you go about planning a week in advance? Yeah, I think the goal, and, and you know, I do this for myself even, is there's a, there's a conversation in my head, and I, I live alone, so I, could have, I don't have to, to share that with anyone, but um, a conversation in my head of one, what I want to eat for the week. And that that conversation, of course, determines a menu. And 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 the menu, starting with the menu, makes your your life a whole lot easier. 
um, which is why there are three menu plans in the book. Um, once you have the menu one, a couple of things happen. Um, you, you, you make the food that you want to make. Um, the way that we plan the menus out in the book is so that you're kind of determining whether you're someone who likes to eat leftovers or um, like to create variety using a few key recipes that you use in different ways. Um, but once you have that, that menu, then everything else is determined by that. Your shopping list, um, you know, checking your pantry list to make sure that you have it, um, and all of that, getting your recipes organized. The more organized you are, the, the, the less time this takes. So um, that's the key for making this work. So then your shopping list comes from your, your menu. Um, now, we put together for um, the three menu plans in the book, we have a pantry list that's there for you and then a shopping list. Um, and by the way, one of the keys for this cookbook is that all of the ingredients in this, this cookbook can be found in your mainstream grocery store. So you don't have to make any special trips. Now, grocery stores are getting better about this anyway, but you don't have to make any special trips to um, the, the, the gourmet market or anything like that to buy you know, 99% of these ingredients. So it should be a one-stop shopping. Of course, that saves time too. Um, and then shopping lists, you know, people who don't use a shopping list, one, spend more money, and two, spend more time in the store. So when I have my shopping list together, I'm, I'm in the store, I know the route of my store, like the directions I'm going to go, you know, and of course, on a healthier diet, most of the time that's on the, the perimeter, I'm starting my produce is a big place that I go to, et cetera, et cetera. So I have my route planned, I have my shopping list. I don't stray from my shopping list, which for someone like me who is dealing with weight issues is, is, a, is a smart thing to do because it keeps me from that spontaneous shopping that's usually not as healthy food. And then the implementation, having that, that time to just um, spend in the kitchen doing the one task at hand, um, it, it, it's amazing how those little distractions slow you down, you know, not just in terms of the amount it takes the amount of time it takes to answer a five-minute phone call, but how that changes the brain activity so that you're no longer in that groove for what you're doing. And there's a, there's a groove that happens when you're cooking. You know, when I'm chop making four or five dishes, I'm, I can chop all my onions for all of those dishes if I'm, if I'm paying attention to what I'm doing. I can, you know, all, all those kinds of little things come together to really make a, a much more easily expedited experience, and and it works. I, this is what we do in my professional kitchen. In the kitchen I have at work, we're making one pot of beans. We use that pot of beans for uh, several different dishes throughout the week, and um, um, so that we're not cooking beans over and over again, and we're not washing dishes over and over again, and all those kinds of things. Well, that's why I think you're. Uh, cookbook, uh, China Study Quick and Easy Cookbook is so helpful because I've gotten that idea for a while that let's say I make a big pot of beans or I make a lot, big pot of brown rice and with the intention of, okay, I need two cups for dinner, but I'll make five or six cups. But then like, I don't know what else to do with it. And so I'll have to go, go, you know, go online, look for recipes. Like I haven't thought in advance of other ways to use that. It was, it was just sort of a, a vague intention. And as a result, it often doesn't get eaten. It it ends up, you know, going back into the garden as compost. Yeah. So, and, and that's what the, the plan does is, is you kind of determine what you're going to have that rice for. So one of the things that I do in the cookbook um, is, is give a couple of hints about 
um, having some general things on hand. So in other words, if you, you don't have to have a strict menu plan, but you have to have a plan. In other words, if I have beans and rice and so even some frozen vegetables uh, and maybe a stir-fry sauce, or there's a, there's a really nice stir-fry sauce in the uh, cook in the cookbook, then I've got um, several meals throughout the week, and all I have to do is maybe vary the, the vegetables to make it different. You know, so if you're that kind of cook, then then that makes it um, easy for you just to know that. I, and I know people that will eat. I have a friend who makes a pot of lentils every Sunday, and that's what he eats throughout the week. Right now, I, I like a little more variety than that. But you know, if you're the person that can eat that way, then maybe stir fry throughout the week is easy for you. But you know, to also think about taking your stir fry. So if I make stir fried rice and vegetables, I can take leftovers from that and put it into a whole grain. Um, flatbread and take that as a wrap for lunch the next day. You know, if I make my salad fixings once on Sunday, um, I can mix up my salad throughout the week and then have those meals ready to go without a whole lot of thought to them. So, you know, just a little bit of forethought and a little bit of planning that one day a week makes a big difference in terms of, of, of having things available. So one of the things that I noticed that professional chefs and dedicated foodies and system thinkers have in common is that, is that they see patterns and categories. So, so I don't think like that. So if I see a cookbook with 150 different recipes, I think of them each as 150 different things. But there, there are just a few categories of, of plant-based foods, like you mentioned, you know, stir fries, wraps, stews, that, that you know, if, if you, I think if you become familiar with kind of that that terminology and those high level concepts, that th doesn't that make it much easier to kind of slot your ingredients into standardized meals? Yeah, it's kind of how I create recipes in the first place. So the way to think about it in another way too is not just in terms of categories of soups, stews, um, etc., but in terms of ingredients, beans, grains, fruits, and vegetables. And then what you'll do with it in all of this. So, you know, beans become, um, beans fall into any of the categories that we talk about. You can use beans for soups. You can make hummus with beans. You can um, put them into wraps. You can put them into your stir fries. So, yeah, having those kinds of categories in your head is, is kind of how I actually create uh, recipes um, when I'm writing cookbooks is to think about an ingredient and then all the possibilities that ingredient can be used for. So, you know, beans are a classic example, as I just said, but quinoa is the same kind of thing. It can be used in stir fries. You can use it to make quinoa tabbouleh. You can use it um, to make stir fries, et cetera, et cetera. It's just a matter of applying the techniques that make it happen. So for people who are trying to transition to, um, to plant-based eating, in, in a sense, you're asking people to do something that's a little, at first, it's like a little bit more difficult, you know, in, right. in terms of um, spending the time thinking about the week, thinking about menus. It reminds me a lot of when I have to learn like a new piece of software, and the easiest thing is not to learn it, like to not to watch the tutorials. But you know, right. spending that half hour or two hours or whatever it is to, to prepare and to gain some expertise then saves me 
like, you know, five minutes a day for the rest of my life. Well, not just five minutes a day, but imagine if you're the, the fast food eater, you know, the convenience food eater who um, gets in the car and drives to wherever and picks up a meal and drives home and then eats it. Um, you know, all that time gets saved, too. Um, so you, you think about really maybe not adding a little bit more time in the beginning, but just redistributing your time. You know, so now instead of getting in the car one or two and for some people three times a day to go and find my food, I spend that um, that time um, planning my meals and, and planning my menus and, and doing my shopping. And you end up probably pretty quickly finding that you're saving time um, earlier on in, in this whole plan than you think um, because you save all that travel time. doing. And if you're not an organized person, getting yourself organized um, really has quick payoffs. The benefits happen very, very quickly in terms of the fact that, oh, my God, I don't have to run back to the store because I had it in my shopping list. I put it into my cart and I didn't forget, you know, I, and, and those are those are time and minutes that that add up for a lot of people more than they realize. Mm. All right. So I want you to help me with a little uh, shopping therapy for myself. So I'll, I'll go to the store. I'll have maybe like one or two ideas for dishes that I want to make. Or just, you know, pantry staples that I've run out of. And, you know, when I get to the bottom of the rolled oats, I, I begin to hyperventilate. So I have, I have a general idea of what I'm going to get. But I also have this intention to stroll through the produce section and get whatever looks good, whatever looks fresh, whatever looks local, whatever looks organic. And I take it home and then consign it to a slow, sad decline in death. In <laughs> Can you help me? Yeah. Well, yeah, and so decide ahead of time before you you go to the store um, what you what you might do with that vegetable. In other words, I'm going to make stir fry this week, so I'm going to make my stir fry sauce on Sunday, but then I'm going to go to the store and see what looks good um, at some point throughout the week, right? If I have my stir fry sauce made, I have my brown rice already cooked. The only other thing that's missing are the vegetables. Right. Right. So you, you, you have a plan in place for what to do with it. If you buy vegetables with no plan in place, and, and I've been that person, I go to this farmer's market on a Saturday morning and, and I see this vegetable I've never seen before. I'm like, oh, I've got to have some of that. I'm going to take it home and make that and blah, blah, blah. <laughs> um, and it sits there. You know, it sits there and rocks just like everybody else does it. So having some kind of plan in place, even if you don't have a specific recipe in mind, um, tends to, to make that a little bit more uh, uh, workable. So that, that solves some of the problem of like the, you know, you bring, you buy the vegetable and it looks so great. And then like it already starts to degrade, to, to wilt a little bit, to lose a little mm -hmm. color. Like, do you have, do you have tricks for keeping it, for keeping various, you know, common vegetables fresh until you're ready to use them or like how, how long would a typical you know bunch of kale or carrot sit in your fridge before it gets used well you know in part it, it, it depends on part on the vegetable it also depends in part on where you're buying it from so if you're lucky enough to have a farmer's market you're the farmer's market's grown for flavor and freshness um and food that comes in from california is grown to be trucked across the country, 
right? Right. So when you, you you don't get much staying power and you don't know how long that fruit in your your grocery store or the vegetables in your grocery store have been sitting there, and, and how much time they they already have had to, to start the rotting process, while food in your 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 farmers market is more likely to have been picked fresh, maybe even that morning. Definitely not much earlier than the day before. So it's amazing how much longer that produce keeps than the fresh produce that you'll buy at your store. Now, having said that, if you are shopping a store, you don't have a farmer's market, um, then the key is to knowing what kind of storage you need. Now, there are some vegetables that keep forever, practically. If you know how to store um, squashes, like your hard winter squashes, will keep for several months. I've got one in my kitchen now that I keep asking the staff to use. That's been there since November, and it's still good to go. But they're designed to stay that way. Um, carrots keep pretty well. You, you, a lot of the gold that you have, a lot of people make the mistake of washing produce before they put it into the refrigeration for storage. And water is one of the enemies for, for produce in there. It, it really accelerates the uh, degenerative process for, for vegetables. So um, usually you want to wash your produce uh, right before you're ready to use it. And it makes a big difference. Keeping it in the right kind of bags. They have bags out there now that ex- that really do slow down the process of decay. So the, the plastic bags aren't necessarily always the best bags to use, but they have these these bags that you can buy that really extend the life of of your produce. So you know if you if you're one of those people that doesn't use things right away, then then that might be the the key for you. Um, but you know also one of the things that I do is to consider my menu plan. So when I have delicate produce, like my, my fresh herbs, my cilantro, my fresh basil, um, those kinds of things need to be used up in a couple of days. When I do my menu plan, I plan on using those earlier in the week if I haven't already cooked them on Sunday or, my, or whatever my cooking day is. So I, I use those delicate vegetables first, my lettuces and all that. I may have to get back to the store middle of the week to buy lettuce again. It just kind of depends on what you're using. Um, and then the, the longer-lasting foods, I'll save for later in the week. Oh, that's great. So, so there's, so there's don't, several ways don't, that you don't buy to, your, to... Don't buy your cilantro for on, on Saturday for a Friday night dinner. Yeah, I mean, if you if you have to go to the grocery store and, 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 and risk that, then that might be a good idea. The other thing is to, to really look at your cilantro in the store and make sure that it looks fresh. There should be no wilting leaves. The, the leaves should be bright green. You know, if, it, if it looks a little bit iffy, put it back. Um, you, you don't want it. Right. Now, what, one of the things I do with cilantro, and and I am not a it, it's got to look good kind of cook. Simply, I mean, yeah, I would love to be, but I, you know. Not, nothing I cook photographs well. So when I, when, I, when I do cilantro, it's almost never for like, you know, tasteful garnish on top. It's always like in there uh-huh. for flavor. Uh-huh. So, so when I find like good cilantro, I'll buy three bunches, chop it up and put it in a Ziploc <laughs> bag in the freezer. Uh-huh. Um, are there, yeah. are there, is there produce that you, you know, freeze and find that you can, you know, then keep it and just, it, it almost becomes a, a pantry item as opposed to produce? Well, you can do that with herbs. I tend not to be that kind of cook, but you can certainly do that with, you know, there's different ways to store herbs. You can put them in the bag like that. Some people will freeze them in the ice cube trays, and then, you know, you suddenly you have basil freezes that way, and then you throw your, a cube of ice into your soup, and off you go. Um, you know, I, I, 
I tend to buy vegetables already frozen. I, I have those available um, just for convenience sake. So I, I don't tend to too often to, to freeze when I'm buying fresh. I try to try to use it up fresh. I'm more likely to cook something and then freeze part of it rather than the freeze of fresh vegetables. But, you know, a lot of vegetables freeze well. I, it, you just have to sort of know what you're doing. So, for example, I, I would probably um, blanch broccoli um, and then freeze it rather than to to freeze it fresh like that. So you, you, you have to learn how. And I haven't done a lot of that with fresh vegetables, so I, I couldn't I wouldn't be the master on what freezes how and how to freeze everything. Gotcha. All right, so that's that's uh, number one, the plan. Um, so number two, the pantry. So you have a just a two-page pantry list in the book that's you know alphabetical and easy to read and um, comprehensive. But how how do you go about uh, the actual process of like stocking it, not running out? Like for me, you know, for me, I have I have a like a shopping problem. Like I'll I'll yeah. I'll end up like I, don't, I can't remember uh, my pantry isn't that neat, so I can't I don't I haven't seen the coconut milk in a while, for example. So yeah, or the you know well, the Thai I mean, red part... curry paste, and I end up oh let me just buy four of them so I don't have to think about it, and then I find the other six that I bought under the same circumstances. How how do you do, how do you do in inventory management? Well, part of that goal is is uh, it happens with your menu plan. So every week you create that menu plan. And then you create a shopping list based upon them. Now, some of that comes from your um, the recipe itself. But, you know, when you're looking at your Thai red curry stew, then you, 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 you head over to the pantry and you look to see that you've got some. So it, it, it's a, a little bit of time that you spend ahead of time that saves you um, time and money later down on the, later down the road. You know what I mean? Um, so instead of having three or four, and I've, I've been that person, so I'm right there with you. But instead of uh, um, uh, spending all that extra money um, buying curry, red curry paste, which actually tastes well, so not a big deal, um, other ingredients, not, um, you, you may end up finding that you're just wasting money because you end up with more than you can use of it. So, you know, it's, it's worth the effort um, to, to start off with a little bit more organization planning. Start from that, that menu plan itself, and then you, uh, you're going to save yourself down the road. Gotcha. All right. So um, pantry therapy for me, um, <laughs> I every so often will clean out the pantry and then I'll make a like, organization like I'll say, OK, all the pastas go here, all the beans go here, all the condiments go here, all the canned tomatoes go there. And then as I go shopping and I get more stuff, it gets more and more haphazard. Is there, yeah. do you, how, like, how do you, and, I, and I've seen your kitchen and I've seen, you know, you could, you could probably cook in it blindfold blindfolded and, and find everything how would, yeah. how would you help me rationalize the pantry so i know where things are and i can find them when i need them well i think you, you hit the nail on the head is 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 by category so you have condiments go in one place my dried fruits and nuts go in another place um my my canned vegetables if i'm canned tomatoes and things like that all have their corner of the cabinet my pasta goes in one corner of the cabinet so i can look up the goal being, and, and the other thing is, don't crowd your pantry. You know, if, if you've got it packed so full that you can't see front to back, then most likely you have too much in there, right? So don't crowd the pantry. Yeah. Um, give yourself plenty of room to see what's going on in there. And I, in my example is my, my grandmother was, was kind of a food hoarder. 
um, she had food. We, we, we would go to her house uh, every now and then, and um, you could hear the explosion happen from, from food, canned vegetables that expired two years ago, finally giving up the ghost and blowing up in her pantry. But that's the person she was. She never threw anything away. And she had, you know, more than she needed of everything. Her freezer, she had two freezers that were overflowing with food. We had to throw food away. She died, food away that had been there for years out of the freezer. So, um, you know, you don't need to overcrowd it. If you have that pantry list going, you know, take that list with you to the store. And, you, you know, one thing you could do, too, is if you want to be a really hyper-organized person, this is what we do in the art in the business is I have a, a sheet that has all my pantry items on it and I go through my pantry on a regular basis at work. And I have, I do this every week and check off to make sure see what I have. So I, I have black beans, check. I have garbanzo beans, check. I have diced tomatoes, check. I'm out of maple syrup, um, right in. I need two cases of that. So it's, it's a, it's a hyper organized way, but people think that it's, it's too much time. No, it's a time saver and a money saver. All right. Well, I guess, you know, it's it's obviously necessary in a business to know your inventory, to not be inefficient, to not have to have to, um, you know, waste precious time and spend extra money to get things from the wrong location just because you need it fast. But in fact, the way, the way most of us eat and cook, we aren't we don't live on the farm. We don't have hours to kind of prepare things and to have it come organically. We need to to learn some of these business tricks to be able to to manage our own kitchens efficiently. Yeah, I, I think you need to treat your. I mean, I I know people who treat their their home like a business. In other words, uh, budgets all worked out. The, the shopping is hyper organized, just as a, if it were a business. And you know, these are the people that, that that keep track of every dollar. I don't know that you have to be so extreme about it, but I think you know, following a couple of basic rules, especially with your your pantry of just. Um, like I said, not overcrowding it, keeping a, a, a general running list. And here's the deal. You're not going to like have to restock the pantry every week or all at once. Um, most likely what's going to happen is you, you, know, you know that you used um, diced tomatoes this week, so you, you're going to restock those, right? You know that you used uh, two cans of garbanzo beans, so you're going to put that on your list for next week. You could keep, and what we do in our kitchen is keep a running list. Um, so my staff on Friday gives me this list of things that they ran out of during the week, and I appreciate that because I'm not the one cooking anymore. My staff does that, and they're the ones that know that they used the last of the maple syrup. So you have that running list there that becomes your shopping list, uh, makes it a little bit easier, and then just a quick check through of everything else you're doing so you, you don't spend a whole lot of time managing the pantry, um, far less than you think. Hmm. So, uh, give name name uh, like one or two pantry items that you think are indispensable that that most people probably don't have. Oh wow! Um, I always have. Well, you you mentioned one of my. I always have Thai red curry paste, and I tell you why. It, it turns into a a lovely stew really quickly. Um, so I it, it's full of flavor. It's really healthy ingredients and no big deal, um, that most people don't have. I'm not sure. No, what, what, I, so what, what it, brand do you use of Thai curry paste? Oh, well, I, I, I buy whatever's generally whatever organic and on sale. I don't really pay attention to brands as much um, when I'm shopping. So you know, my food co-op okay. and my, my 
uh, has certain brands that they keep. Um, and that changes from time to time. But, uh, you know, I often see if, if one can of organic black beans is on sale and cheaper than another, uh, that, that's the brand I buy. Because <laughs> uh, the only one I saw for a long time, I think it's called Thai Kitchen. It was these little glass bottles. And it was like three dollars, three and a half dollars for what would essentially make one or two meals. And then I found at this Asian grocery store this giant tub of of red curry paste, and I and I brought it home. And it was it was literally like a pound and a half. And I made one dish with it, and we all looked at each other and it's like, okay, <laughs> throwing that out. Like it was it was <laughs> it was horrible. Yeah, I you know buying in bulk can be one way to save money, but make sure that it's something that you're going to use. <laughs> you know, um, and Thai red curry paste is one of those things that I don't make it all the time. I have a couple of jars in there, but, you know, a couple of jars is like two or three recipes for me. And that's funny. So if you think about it, two or three, the two jars might last me three or four months, you know, but um, buying in bulk, the only time I really buy in bulk, I mean, I buy in bulk like dried goods that um, I use. So I go and buy my oats. I buy a bag of oats at the cost because I eat oats almost every day. Um, but make sure that you're going to use whatever it is that you're going to buy that way. Right. Gotcha. All right. Well, we've covered the plan. We've covered the pantry. Um, so n number three, I wanted to give it a, a, a P name. I, I, I thought of it in my mind as playtime. Like make sure you give yourself playtime where you're not going to be interrupted by, by other things. How do you, how do you, um, I understand that you, you know, you living by yourself, it's easier, but how do you help people, who can't, you know, put up um, plywood and cover all the doors and windows in the kitchen um, with, you know, family and other demands. How do you, how do you help people well, it, find that time? It might be, you know, it might be more of a mental um, conversation that you have with yourself and, and maybe the physical conversation happens with your family, but the mental conversation actually, it's important that you just set that time aside. You know, you you have to schedule yourself. One of the busiest people I know, and, and, and you know her as well, is Grand Popper. And she has, there are days when she has every minute planned. But she also plans things like um, gym. It's on her schedule. And it's having it in that schedule, on that schedule, that, that allows her to keep that appointment with herself. Right. So it's not a, that's not a work. There's no money to be made from her going to the gym, but that's something that she commits to um, every day and then follows through with it. So the same thing has to happen with your your cooking time. Um, if you, you want to be really successful at this, then, then the key is to schedule that time for yourself and then have a conversation. You know, and, and let me say something else about Dr. Popper. It's, it's rare that you will ever get her to to cancel gym time because something else came up unless she's traveling. Okay, so you treat that just like it was a business appointment, and you stick to it. And so that's part of one. The other part is having that conversation with the family that says, you know, now is kitchen time. Now is my time in the kitchen. If you're not in here to help, then you need to not be in here. All right? Now is my time in the kitchen, so you need to answer the phone and take a message. I'm going to put my cell phone away, or I'm going to put it on Pandora and listen to music for a few hours and not let myself be interrupted. Or if I have to be near the phone because I've got a family member that's ill, then I'm only taking calls from that family member. So you, it's just sort of making that a priority that's the important thing. There's, there's no other magical um, equation that makes it happen other than you making a commitment to it. 
Gotcha. So let's ask about Pandora. Do you, do you cook to music? Um, I cook to national public radio 95% of the time. Okay. Um, my, my staff isn't in, in love with it. I, some of my younger staff wants music and wants pop radio, but luckily I don't cook in that kitchen too much anymore, so I don't have to. But for me, um, for years, I've, I've cooked to national public radio. Gotcha. So we should be able to tell which story you were listening to by eating the food, right? <laughs> well, you know, sometimes I use National Public Radio some of shows cover cooking and food, so yeah, that might be true. Gotcha. Um, so you have in the book you have the, the the basic philosophy, and you have these three very comprehensive menu plans, right? Uh, so it's like Monday through Friday, right? They're they're weekday plans. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I'm noticing in meal plan number two, breakfast is exactly the same every day. Is that, explain that. So, you know, you're a cookbook author, you've, you've created thousands of different recipes. The idea that you would be satisfied with the same thing every morning is maybe a little bit counterintuitive. But I do. My, I have, um, I eat six meals a day for, for, to try and help me with weight loss keep my metabolism up and my breakfast is um, the same 95% of the time. So I have a smoothie every morning and then my second breakfast and sometimes I reverse the order is a big bowl of oatmeal. I, I tell you what, you know, you, you think of, and, and let me say this about chefs. Um, most chefs I know, if you ask them the, the, the number one meal they eat, um, half of them are going to say peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> so, you know, it's, it's not always about for us having, I don't need a gourmet meal. Uh, and Dr. Popper put it this way. I was up at her lake house recently and we spent the weekend working. And on Friday we had a, she made lunch. She made a very simple salad and um, very simple steamed rice and, and vegetables. And um, I kind of looked at it with that look that, and she knew exactly what I was thinking. And she goes, you know what? Today is a work day. Today is not a gourmet lunch day. <laughs> and that's just kind of, I think, the nature of the beast is, um, um, every, you know, a couple times a week I have a really nice meal that I, I plan for myself and I get excited about. But uh, the rest of the time it's just about getting the right food on the table and getting healthy food on the table. I'm lucky enough that, you know, and I think this cookbook does the same thing. It, it makes simple meals taste good. So um, I, I do like flavor, and, and uh, my oatmeal has got, some cinnamon in it, a little bit of stevia, and, and so it, it tastes good. Um, but, you know, it doesn't have to be a fancy, fancy deal. And and 95% of the time, my smoothie gets strawberries and bananas. That's my fruit of choice. So I don't even have a lot of variety there. Mm. Um, and so I guess what that maybe does is it when you do have a special meal that it's it's against the background, right? So it stands out. It's not like you know, every it does, yeah. six times a day you're getting fireworks. Right. Right. Exactly. Exactly. Right. It's, it's that, and, and, you know, the reason for, I think that works for someone like me, I, I, we, we tend to, when you eat the unhealthiest of foods, um, if you eat McDonald's, it's packed full of fat and salt and sugar. And, and we get addicted to those foods and we crave what we eat. And I, you know, I, I learned a long time ago that I, I needed to dumb down my taste so that I wasn't always eating that way. Because what happens is sometimes I'm traveling 
And sometimes the healthiest choice for me is a Wendy's plain baked potato hmm. with salt and pepper is all I'm going to get on it. That's, that's the healthiest choice. And I've been in the car with Dr. Popper. We've both done that. Ordered two plain baked potatoes apiece, and, and that was dinner at 9 o'clock at night after an event, heading back to Columbus. And it did the job. You know, it was a, a starchy vegetable. It was filling. Um, I was satisfied after. I wasn't, you know, not in love with eating a plain baked potato, but it, it, it sometimes is what is needed to make the job happen. Right? So, you know, that's that's kind of what I had to do to help me be able to eat healthier even when um, there wasn't a lot of choice available. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, to have to have that kind of you know, baseline of I can I can get by on the really the simplest healthy food, then kind of everything else is bonus. If you have that baked potato and you, you throw a little sauce on it uh, or yeah, some everything extra else becomes bonus. But I tell you what, you know, I eat a smoothie every day and I love my smoothie. And there's not a lick of sugar in it. You know, it's two servings of fruit. Uh, we make our own vegetable powder. There's no added protein. Uh, flaxseed, and it, I'm addicted to it. If I don't have it, I'm, I'm kind of grumpy. Mm. So I, I look forward to that every day. And I've eaten oatmeal since I was a kid. You know, it's sort of, it's kind of that, it's what I was kind of saying, you know, you crave what you eat. Um, so those are two things I look forward to every day. And then I'm in the habit of, you know, a couple times a day, eating a big bowl of salad, you know, trying to get as much fresh vegetables in as possible. And, and and those are other another good habit to have, right? So you make those kind of things automatic, um, and then you make unhealthy foods more of a challenge. In other words, you have to work getting unhealthy foods when you have a, a house full of the healthy stuff. Right. So let's talk before we before we go. I'd love to talk about salads. So do you, you know, the the the, the thing I'm tempted to do is I come home with all these beautiful ingredients is to block out some time and just prepare this giant salad. And it looks great that day, but by the next day, it's kind of gets sad. But I think if I don't, if I just like take bits of it, if I just take like half of the yellow pepper and one carrot, then I'm not going to do it again. How do you, how do you um, navigate making it all well, at can, once or, or having to keep you, making it? Yeah, if you don't want to spend like the, the five minutes a day chopping up the vegetables, if you're not going to be that person, then... Um, choose some ingredients that are ready to go for your salad. So uh, one thing you can do on Sunday is like I love chickpeas in my salad because it just fills me up. Um, so I'll, I'll open a can of chickpeas or if I'm cooking chickpeas fresh, I'll have them cooked, drained, and rinsed and ready to go. Um, I choose other toppings like you can buy sliced mushrooms at the grocery store. You can actually buy chopped fresh vegetables at the grocery store now to put onto your salads if you, if you want to go that route. So decide for yourself how much you want to do and then how much you want to have done for you, and then have it available. You know, so chopped mushrooms, um, sliced mushrooms are easy. All I have to do is open up the container and, and chop, spread them on my salad. Um, you know, I can slice up my carrots uh, pretty much a couple days in advance and, and have those ready to go, but I can also choose other ingredients that are already there for me. Gotcha. So I hear, you know, I hear on the one hand, you have, you're, you're, you're a chef, um, you, you have the, sort of the highest standards of taste, the highest standards of health. And there's a lot of areas where you're sort of very lenient, right? You know, use canned chickpeas, use pre-sliced mushrooms or pre-cut vegetables. Like there's, there, there's, a, there's a way in which um, 
your attitude really makes it easy for people. You kind of give people permission to to take to take some shortcuts as long as it doesn't compromise the essence of of taste and health. Well, there's you know there, there's nothing about um, uh, canned chickpeas. I, you know, I buy the BP these BPE free cans. There's nothing about canned chickpeas that's necessarily any healthier than uh, fresh cooked chickpeas necessarily. Now, you know, there are people that will argue that, but let's talk about where we're coming from in our diet and then where we're trying to go. So people that are showing up in hospitals are showing up uh, in emergency rooms with, with, with heart attacks and with, you know, diabetic comas and all those extremes from eating uh, high-fat, high-protein processed foods. So, you know, if you can get someone to eat chickpeas, whether they come from a can or whether they come from um, something that you cook from scratch, um, you've done the job. And and I always have to remind people this diet isn't about dietary perfection. It's about the dietary pattern. You know, we're trying to get the dietary pattern right. So it's the it's the chickpeas that are important, not whether they come from a can or the you know if if canned chickpeas are full of oil and sugar and and salt and that I, I'd say differently. But they most of the time you buy chickpeas that say chickpeas, and that's exactly what you're looking for. So you know, give yourself that leeway and a little bit of permission to, to 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 have some convenience when possible, and when it fits into the dietary guidelines that we're talking about. As as my friend Peter Bregman says, the the canned chickpeas you eat are much healthier than the dried chickpeas you don't. <laughs> exactly right. Cool. So before I let you go, what what are you working on now? You have more cookbooks, more more projects that we should uh, I'm be aware of. Excited to say I have the year off from writing a, a cookbook. Um, it's my first year of not writing a cookbook since uh, I wrote Better Than Vegan and Forks Over Knives, and so I'm kind of thrilled about that. We're promoting this cookbook and doing lots of of um, um, events like this one and. Um, and then I'm teaching, so I teach this summer. I teach a, we teach a food prep course through the Long Form Institute for Health Studies that I, I love teaching. So it it helps others who want to teach, uh, or who want to work in, in a plant based kitchen to gain the skills and knowledge necessary to do so. And believe it or not, we do it all by uh, conference calls. So um, the students get their homework, they go off and cook on their own, and come back to class with reports of what's going on. I teach. Um, I just developed a personal chef certification program to help people who want to use um, our protocol, um, a healthy plant-based protocol, in their personal chef service to do so. So I'm teaching that again this summer. Uh, and um, we'll, we'll, I'll get the links from you and put it up on the on the blog. Yeah, yeah. So there's a couple of my my projects for the summer, and then you know, continuing to work on my own health. I I've been lucky. I. As you know, I've, I've lost 200 pounds in this program, but I, I hit my own stumbling blocks and have learned a lot of things about myself. We can talk about those at some other time if you like. Um, but I'm, I'm happy with uh, figuring some things out and excited about moving forward with my own health for the next stage of helpfulness. Awesome. So do you have one recipe in the book that you could um, shout out as something that, uh, that we can cook to help like convert skeptics, someone who thinks that, you know, healthy plant-based eating is, is going to be um, tasteless or too hard? You know, I highly recommend, and I, I'm trying to think, me and memorizing recipes, um, 
one of my favorite well, just, just, things. Just name, you, just name it, and I'll, I'll contact Ben Bella and see if they'll give me permission to... Uh, uh, yeah, they'll give you permission for it. I, I love the Dayton soy stir-fry stir sauce in the cookbook. Um, again, because when I'm not planning uh, a meal, having something like that on hand gives me that versatility. So that whatever vegetable I come home with, or whatever grain I have, um, I've got a meal that has a lot of flavor. Another one that we're making that I'm making a lot of in my own house is I do a baked falafel. Um, it's an oil-free um, falafel, and we serve it with a green sauce in place of the tzatziki, which is a traditional sauce. Uh, we make a, a, a silken tofu and cilantro, uh, a little bit of uh, uh, vinegar and uh, um, garlic and it's one of my favorite sauces to, to serve in a falafel wrap or even on top of some brown rice and, and um, steamed vegetables. All right. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to contact Ben Bella, get permission to uh, include those two recipes. I'm looking at the Dayton soy stir-fry sauce right now. That looks crazy easy. <laughs> it is crazy, but it works. All right. So if you're listening to this on some audio device that doesn't have... Uh, text, head on over to plantyourself.com. Look for the Chef Dell interview from um, 2015, and you'll find those recipes. And Chef Dell, thank you so much for, for writing this cookbook, for, for, for giving people like me uh, hope for coming up with organized systems and for, for making it so delicious. Well, Howard, you're very welcome, and thank you for the opportunity to, to share the word with others. This can be an easy, doable thing, so that's very exciting. Right on. All right, thanks a lot, and be well. You too. I really hope you enjoyed and got a lot out of that interview with Chef Dell. If you head on over to plantyourself.com and look for this week's episode, number 108, you'll see recipes there that were shared kindly by Chef Dell and Ben Bella, the publisher, the green sauce, date and soy stir-fry sauce, and baked falafel. Completely healthy, completely delicious, very easy. And if you get the whole book, you'll see how to work these into a week of meal plans. If you enjoy this podcast, I'd love your support. One of the easiest ways to do it, if you haven't yet, is to go to iTunes and leave a review, write some words, give me some stars. That helps other people find it when they're searching um, the extensive iTunes catalog for health and wellness. You know, there's a lot of health and wellness podcasts up there. There's a lot of paleo ones and other stuff. So if you want the plant-based message to get out, that's a, an easy and very powerful step you can take. To help us do just that. I have a survey at plantyourself.com survey. I would love for you to go there and tell me what you think about the podcast, what you like, what you don't like. If you're listening to it and, you, and partly you're thinking, boy, I wish you would change this. Well, now's your chance to get your voice heard and maybe, maybe I will. If you haven't done so already, go to plantyourself.com and sign up for a upcoming wellness webinar as well as the Wellness Weekly, my weekly e-newsletter that includes a link to each week's podcast episode, as well as something else, a goodie, a tip, an article, a report, a video, some empowering piece of support for your plant-based journey. Speaking of which, Plant-Based Journey, my friend Lanny Muellrath's book is coming out quite soon. You can go to Amazon or wherever else and pre-order it. I'm on the cover. Uh, Dr. Colin Campbell and I wrote the, I forget whether it's the preface or the foreword or the introduction. We wrote one of those. Um, and it's a great book and you should get it. 
quick garden update. It's now 98 degrees Fahrenheit here. Uh, many of the plants are very happy with this, specifically the hot peppers, but the, the main crops we're getting right now are tons and tons of blueberries, a fair amount of zucchini, some patty pan squash, some early tomatoes. So whatever you're eating this week, I hope it's delicious, I hope it was grown with love, and I hope it nourishes you so that you may, as always, be well, my friends.